0: Welcome to BrainStuff, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, BrainStuff, Lauren Vogelbaum here. More than two centuries after the birth of Frederick Douglass, few people have come close to matching his skills as both an orator and an agent of change. We spoke earlier this year with Pelham McDaniels III, who was then the curator of African-American collections at Emory University's Rose Library and has since passed away. McDaniels said, Why we should remember Douglas is because of what he represents to us even today, his ability to not only speak truth to power, but do so in such an eloquent way that he would challenge anyone who stands against him. Indeed, the power of Douglass's voice contributed greatly to the end of slavery, expansion of the right to vote, and the general push toward equal rights for all that still continues. So where did Douglas get that power? He was born enslaved in 1818 on the coast of Maryland under the name Frederick Bailey. He recognized the value of literacy from an early age, and so he taught himself to read and write. He was hired out from ages eight to 15 as a body servant or valet, and rebelled when his owner sent him to work in the fields. After a failed escape effort, he was sent back to Baltimore, where he connected with Anna Murray, a free black woman. She helped him coordinate his escape and funded his train ticket, and as a result, was able to make a break for New York City dressed as a sailor where he was technically free but a fugitive nonetheless. Frederick married Anna and the pair took the surname Douglas in an effort to keep from being captured. They relocated to Bedford Massachusetts and eventually had five children. But Douglas's drive for freedom didn't end with his own. He began attending abolitionist meetings where he quickly gained a reputation as a gifted speaker and writer and toured on behalf of the Massachusetts Anti-Slavery Society. Ironically, some of these same abolitionists thought him too well-versed and educated to have ever been enslaved. To prove his legitimacy, in 1845, he published the first of three tomes, Narrative of the Life of Frederick Douglass. The ensuing publicity made him a target, however, and he had to spend time in Europe to prevent being re-enslaved. His freedom was eventually bought on his behalf by abolitionists, and he moved with his family to Rochester, New York, to enjoy free life. Douglas continued speaking on behalf of the abolition of slavery, but also took an interest in women's rights, though he thought that women's suffrage should come in time. McDaniel said he believed that there should be equality across the board. One of the things he argued against was women getting the right to vote first. By excluding black men from this equation, it put black men and women in great danger. And while some abolitionists decried the United States Constitution as being pro-slavery, Douglas eventually expressed that it wasn't that, but that it had been perhaps purposefully misinterpreted by people who stood to benefit. In his most famous speech, What to the Slave is Fourth of July? He said, What have I, or those I represent, to do with your national independence? Are the great principles of political freedom and of natural justice embodied in that Declaration of Independence extended to us? McDaniels explained, he saw there was more to the Constitution than was gleaned. He also saw the elements of it that allowed for individuals in the country to be free and to pursue the possibilities. Douglass argued that the idea of universal human brotherhood, that all were created equal, was rooted in Christianity and the Bible. Although Douglas disagreed with the militant ideals of fellow abolitionist John Brown, he eventually came to see that federal military intervention, realized in the form of the devastating civil war, would be necessary to eradicate slavery. He aggressively worked to influence the Republican Party, which featured a particularly famous member in President Abraham Lincoln, to prevent slavery spread into new territories, to attack laws that protected slaveholders, and to generally encourage abolitionism. He eventually called Lincoln a friend and was integral in the process of passing the 13th Amendment to the Constitution, which abolished slavery. The 14th and 15th Amendments eventually followed. Which respectively granted national birthright citizenship and established voting rights regardless of race, previous condition of servitude, and skin color. In 1872, Douglas and his wife Anna moved to Washington, D.C. to be nearer to a few of their children and to continue his activism. He went on to hold a number of prestigious federal positions under five different presidents, continued his public speaking engagements, and published his third and final memoir, The Life and Times of Frederick Douglass. It was particularly resonant because it acknowledged the continuing inequalities in America, despite abolition and reconstruction. In 1882, Anna died, and in 1884, Douglas remarried Helen Pitts, a suffragist who was 20 years his junior and was white. The marriage was not looked upon favorably by many, but the couple remained wed until his death from a heart attack in 1895 at age 77. More than a hundred years after his passing, Douglas and his work are regularly celebrated as having paved the way for hundreds of other civil rights activists. Douglas didn't know his true date of birth, so he selected February 14th. Following his death, the date became known as Douglas Day, and related celebrations continue. Douglas's birth date is one of the reasons that February is celebrated as Black History Month. McDaniels explained that Douglas was the most photographed American of the 19th century of any skin color, and his was an image of masculinity and African-American possibility. McDaniels said, that was one of the challenges of his time, to find ways to represent the humanity of people who aspired to be free and came from the same circumstances. If he's criticized for anything, it's that he presents in his speeches as sensational and romantic. But even as we reflect on his life, We need to understand that he was essentially an ambassador for a small nation within a nation. Today's episode was written by Aaliyah Hoyt and produced by Tyler Klang. For more on this and lots of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. Brainstuff is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.